What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Yo, what's going on, you guys? It's Johnny King with the Becoming Kings podcast, and I am here with Uriel, or Uria. How would you say it? Depends who I'm speaking to. You, you, <laughs> you, said, you said it great both times. Yeah, right, right. I think I butchered it. Uh, Barum, right? That's right. That's awesome. Uh, but how, what do you prefer, the, the, the Spanish or the English version? Well, I think my mom would prefer the Spanish, so Uriel. Uriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. But you are, uh, uh, before I kind of get into your, your main kind of bio, so to speak, you are first generation American born to Mexican immigrants, right? That's correct. Yeah. And we, we met, we had coffee, we kind of got into some awesome conversation. I was like, man, we got to get you on, on an episode of the podcast, but you're, you're local here to Denver, which is amazing. We're going to go kick it before we started recording here. Uh, I was just telling, that uh, I just bought a gravel bike. And for those of you that don't know, it's like rather than just riding your bike on the road, which is a road bike or mountain biking, it's kind of, you're obviously riding your bike on, on gravel. And he's like, I just bought one too. So you're, uh, you're all things entrepreneurship. You've got a uh, co-founder of the effect organization, right? Um, it's kind of like the right. educational, what is it? Educational tech for entrepreneurs. Yeah, no. So, uh, I mean, we can get into it, but we started yeah. as a digital media agency helping okay. impact based organizations, but we're doing a pretty monumental pivot to education technology. Ah, educational technology. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I didn't uh, fully follow that, but very, very cool. So we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about uh, maybe your, some of your childhood and what shaped you. Uh, we can talk about education and equality, climate change, voter access, a lot of the things that you and I've talked about before we start pressing record. And then I also want to talk about just all the stuff that we geeked out on when we met for coffee about your preparation for completing, competing in Ironman races, which is pretty epic too. So totally. yeah, I love it. I love it. So you're here in Denver, obviously, like I said, right. And you've, yeah. you're, you're fresh meat. You've been here for how long? No, I'm so, I mean, recently, yes, but I'm actually a native. I was born here. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, my parents yep. immigrated from Mexico Right. But um, I left for a while. I got a right. job in finance after college. And then I've been back since 2018. 2018. All right. So before before COVID, obviously, before the world changed uh, in many ways. But uh, yeah, how's it been? You were gone for how long then? From, from I, left in, I left in 2015. So three years. Okay. And did gone. you notice a lot change in just in those three years that you were gone in terms of like population and real estate and development or was it not long enough to notice i honestly i think i did because i think in those three years that i was gone was actually the influx that we started to see what we see now in denver young professionals coming in healthcare tech and oil and gas moving into the city and getting jobs and you know really building neighborhoods like rhino i think before i left Rhino was not Rhino. It was still five points. Yeah. And then I came back and all of a sudden you have, you know, endless breweries and places to go out and yeah. things to see art on the walls. So I, I, th- I think so. I think it was the time. Yeah. Cause I moved here right in 2015, the end of 2015 when you were leaving. And I remember thinking just in the first three to five years, I, like I noticed a ton of change, you know, and I, and I, and I heard a lot of locals natives, I should say, uh, which you are is kind of like, man, so much has changed, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much has changed, uh, just in that amount of time. And I've, I've been here long enough now, seven years that I can see, yeah, things have changed, but it, but it's interesting how, what I heard, and, and this maybe goes in line with a little bit of, uh, what your organization is about in terms of like, well, just tech in general, but I understood it. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I felt like they were attempting to establish Boulder or at least the Denver area as kind of like the, the next Silicon Valley or, or, you know, like a very entrepreneurial 
place in the country, right? And yeah. that, does that have any effect, <laughs> no pun intended, with on uh, what you're doing and the pivots you've been making? Or what's how did that kind of tell us a little bit more about your business and kind of why you're making the pivot that you are now? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I think to answer your first part, I think there's several places that are trying to establish themselves as the, the new Silicon Valley. I mean, you were just in Utah. We mentioned they have a little organization south of Salt Lake City called themselves Silicon Slopes. A lot of mm. tech companies, Divi. A lot of other folks are down there. Um, I think Austin's another place. Mm -hmm. And then Denver, of course. Um, but to answer your, your more meaningful question, um, I, you could say they're a little bit related in terms of our pivot in the business. Uh, but really where we decided to actually move into education tech was through the existing work that we'd already been doing. So, you know, we founded this organization uh, to address some of the most meaningful issues that, you know, our society faces. And we actually got our start uh, so significantly in working with political campaigns, ballot measures, candidates. And, you know, we were center left, mostly Democratic, only working with Democratic candidates, but working with some ballot measures that were nonpartisan. Um, and, you know, we've narrowed it down to, I think you mentioned it earlier, maybe before we were recording, uh, climate change, education, public health, voter access. Uh, within the education space, we started working with uh, charter schools and charter networks to help them with enrollment. You know, every single school, uh, for the most part, that are under a public education system need to enroll students in order to keep their doors open. Uh, yeah. In fact, you know, a lot of the, the, their funding comes per pupil. So I found a need actually through one of my mentors who had started a school in Denver on helping them modernize their enrollment strategies into the new age, taking it from door knocking mailers to actual digital media and targeted ads. Um, and then through that, uh, you know, you peel down, peel the layers even further. We found yeah. an opportunity with software, with technology. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been working on for the past two years um, is building a parent relationship managing management tool that uh, schools mostly, well, we're focusing on K through 12 public charter schools. Mm -hmm. that would be able to use this software to manage all new leads for enrollment and manage relationships with parents to help them better convert the, uh, you know, any interested parent into a converted student. Hmm. So it's kind of like Salesforce for schools, kind of? In a sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Salesforce, like HubSpot, uh, some of these other, you know, Monday CRMs, uh, but it's, you're right, it's zoned in specific for the needs of schools. That's really cool, which which I imagine, um, maybe I'm just, I'm probably being judgmental here. It's not necessarily always their strong suit, you know, in terms of like enrollment and it's, it's like sales, right? Sales and marketing. And maybe they're focusing more on the actual education and with the, the children they have in, in enrollment versus trying to get, you know, and grow. Right. So yeah. it sounds like it's a, a cool tool to, to help them focus more on that. That's really cool. I didn't realize that you had moved in that direction, but that's, uh, that's pretty powerful. So in terms of, um, specifically talking about education inequality, how did you, uh, what is the vein that really kind of lit your fire and whether it's you or your other co-founder or, you know, was it the way that you were raised? What, what was it that uh, made you want to focus on at least that little area of, of education? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really profound question. Cause I think it's, it's all of the above in a sense. Um, you know, I think that when you do something that is meaningful, you have to definitely put your, your heart and soul into it. And you have to be motivated by things like passion rather than profit. So you know, for my business partner, he was actually a teacher in the Mississippi Delta for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then he went off to do a Fulbright scholarship to teach down in Columbia and just saw firsthand educational inequalities mm -hmm. in the classroom. Uh, so, you know, that kind of compelled his view on education. And then you have me, you know, a first generation Mexican-American that really the only reason that I'm here speaking with you or living the life that I'm living is because of education. I, I've had teachers and mentors in my life that I feel like have taken a keen interest in me and my growth mm -hmm. and allowed me to see the value of education. And, you know, I, I look around now, I'm almost 30 and a lot of the, you know, the, the classmates and friends that I had growing up didn't share the same fate as I did. Mm 
So I've always been asking myself, why is that? Right. Yeah. And um, I think that sometimes it's beyond any school or any teacher or any classroom's control. But I do know that if there was a great equalizer, it's that it's education. So I think with all that said in mind, um, the main goal of what we're doing with this software is to ensure that every single kid that is deserving of a high quality education can get it. So we want to offer this tool to, 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 to schools and directors of enrollments and, 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 and head of schools to be able to modernize their operations. So like you said earlier, so they can focus on the good stuff, which is teaching these kids and preparing them for the next generation. See, I love that, but you, you mentioned something and I'm, and I always kind of geek out on some of these things, these, these things as well, but yes, access, but then what really was the, the line of demarcation that separated you from, from other kids that you, maybe you grew up with side by side who had similar opportunities, but didn't necessarily take advantage or didn't uh, connect with them. What do you feel like is the difference maker for, for you and where you're set today versus maybe some of those friends or, you know, <laughs> kids that you went to school with that maybe aren't in as great of a situation as you are now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I think it's one of those like, unsolvable problems right i'm not sure i'm not sure any one of us can give a, an answer that is like a definite response but i do know that i've seen traits in some of the young folks that i mentor mm -hmm. uh, that i feel like display similar qualities that i can see in myself when i reflect back in my life and uh, the word that comes to my mind is spark right? i think every kid needs a spark and sometimes it comes later in life. Sometimes it has to come multiple times, right? Just because you get a spark once doesn't mean that's it. I feel like you got to keep reigniting that fire. And for me, I think it was actually finding meaning in what I was doing. So, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was not a good student growing up. Me neither. Uh, yeah, so, you know, like there was just something about school that I just was not for. I, I, maybe it was an apprehension to authority. Maybe I saw the schoolwork as meaningless, yeah. but I think that kind of compelled some of my mentors to see that like, it's not that this kid can't apply himself. It's just that he won't apply himself. So, mm -hmm. you know, actually the first school that we contracted with effect was my high school math teacher who mm -hmm. saw that in me. And you know, I mentioned you know, this earlier, he is now the founder of a charter network in Denver with three campuses. And he actually invited me to a college campus when I was uh, in, 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 in high school as a freshman, just to expose me. And I think that ignited a spark in me to, to see it, that school was never meant to be an end. It was always meant to be a means for me. And I realized that if I wanted to live a life of abundance and prosperity, I think I needed to meet these bare requirements. You know, one day when I have children of my own, I think I'm going to require them to go to college and to, to do good in school, not because it's the end all be all, but because it's a means to a greater life. Uh, so I think that's what I realized. Um, and I, I had now, when I realized that, I had now a, 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 a greater reason to apply myself rather than just completing a homework assignment. Yeah. Um, but, but I can't say... I can't say I've met a lot of folks who have that mindset. Uh, that's actually a mindset that I like to encourage folks. It's like mm -hmm. taking a panoramic view of things, right? Asking yourself why beyond the given why. Um, so hopefully that, that kind of gets to a mindset response as to why it, things are the way they are. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I'm not sure any, any one of us can give a definite response. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there, of course, there are so many, so many, uh, attributes you know it's like how you're raised the parenting you know the mentorship like you said the support you have um financial means there's so many different things right right um and so when it when it relates to mindset that's really what i was curious about because whether we're talking about being a little guy in school or being an adult you know <laughs> at work uh, a lot of times the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and, and, and how we lived our lives when we were little is kind of how we, you know, live our lives as adults. And, and, and how do we, cause I obviously work with a lot of guys who, 
who oftentimes do feel kind of lost uh, or unmotivated. And it, it really does come back to that sense of purpose. I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's like, once we get clear on our purpose, then whether, whether the, the direction is clear or not, we can tend to at least get some momentum going in the right, in the right way. And I feel like that probably was a difference maker for, for you versus others as it was for me. Cause a lot of times I think in high school, I was like, or even in lower school and, and junior high, I was like, why am I doing this? What, what's the point of this? You know? And I, totally. sometimes I still question, like looking at a lot of the stuff that we studied, I don't feel like it, you know, applies to normal day life. I didn't learn about mortgages. I didn't learn about uh, so many different things that now I need to know as an adult. And I just learned them because I had to. Right. 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 So I think our educational systems are somewhat outdated at times. Uh, there's a lot that needs to be kind of changed and, and improved, but that's going off on a different whole topic. <laughs> you mentioned uh, in, in some of the bullet points uh, for talking points, like adopting a, what do you call it, like a, pro, a proactive mindset? Yeah. What, what does that mean now, now that we're kind of talking about mindset? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think you and I has, have spoken a little bit about this. Um, I think it's the difference between being active and being passive. Mm-hmm. I feel like life is so fast paced and ever changing. Um, and it's very easy to be caught in a rut of being passive, just mm-hmm. taking life in as it comes to you. Um, what I like to tell folks, especially, you know, men in our situation and young people as well, is that the more you can adopt a proactive mindset, the better you are at handling stress, handling things like depression, loneliness, um, lack of meaning or purpose, yep. because you are actively engaging in life, right? I think that's some, that's big reasons why I do things like train for Ironmans or I challenge myself immensely because I don't like the passive way of living. I just, I just, I, I never have. Um, I think that was my biggest frustration when I was young, a young person was um, not having the ability to be active. I I felt like I knew that I wanted to be active, but because, you know, when you're young, you don't have any resources of of your own. You still have society and your parents kind of telling you how to be as a person. You almost have to be passive. You almost have to just take that and be like, okay. Right. So now I realize that I have full autonomy in a sense uh, so I have the ability to adopt a proactive mindset and I like to do that in everything I do. Um, in fact, sometimes it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because I think too far ahead and I think about too many scenarios that never end up happening. Right. So like, you know, sometimes if you, if, if you ever talk to anyone who knows me well, they might say that this guy is preparing for something crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I just think that's just how my mind works. I don't ask, I don't actually think that low probability situations will happen. But I just like to really take a look at the entirety of the situation, mm-hmm. hence being proactive. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like uh, some of that proactiveness is, what's it based in? Is it based in just wanting to be prepared? Is it based in uh, a sense of like the, the floor could fall out from underneath you at any point? Uh, is it a sense of wanting to protect your loved ones? What do you feel like is, it's founded in? Mm. You know, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure anyone's ever asked me that directly, but if I were to say off the top of my head what it's based off of with some sort of certainty, I think it's the notion of, like you said, always being prepared. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've been caught off guard. Sure. Right. Plenty. Every one of us has been caught off guard. And that feeling is like that sinking gut feeling that you wish could just go away or the notion of like, why didn't I see this coming? Right. And then, you know, I can think of situations where I've been caught off guard and I'm reflecting, you know, all of the situations leading up to that moment. And then you kind of get that aha moment, like, Oh my gosh, like there was no other outcome that was going to happen. So I want to minimize those things for me in the future. I, I like obsessively want to see things coming um, and like I said, sometimes it is a detriment because sometimes I go so far down a rabbit hole and I'm like, <laughs> you know, thinking that something is going to happen that never actually does. So there's a balance for sure. Yeah. Um, but I do think to answer your question, it's that sense of wanting to be prepared to sure. meet any situation. Right. Right. I think there, uh, and why I ask it too, because as we're talking about mindset and entrepreneurship, you know, and, and 
preparedness, there's only so much you can do because you can't, you don't have a crystal ball, right? You, you, to, to ask that question of like, Oh, why didn't I see this coming? Well, the, and I know I've thought that myself too, right? Um, relationships, entrepreneurship, you know, the economy, real estate bubble, who knows, right? There could be, Oh, why didn't I see this coming? And a lot of times it's so much easier to, to see things in retrospect. Right. And yet, you know, I think again, if, and that's why I'm a student of history is because you can see how cycles repeat themselves, right? So you can kind of learn from years past where things are going to happen in our economy. Like we all can, I think, sense it, you know, something's going right. to shift pretty massively, you know, it's a kind of a crazy time in the world right now. Um, but just getting ourselves prepared as much as we can, but then learning, I think the mindset of an entrepreneur is one who's extremely resourceful. And that's, that's my impression that I get of you where like, like you're on a ride and you have your you have your extra maybe tube for your tire. Maybe you have all like, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you want to be as prepared as you can, but you really can't always be prepared. And when shit happens, you have to MacGyver stuff. You have to be resourceful. Right. And I think that's the, the, the good balance between preparing as much as you can, but then also really relying on your sense of resourcefulness so that when shit does hit the fan, you can, you can respond, you know, uh, again, proactively rather than just falling into fear and, and throwing up your hands and, and giving in. Right. Yeah. So, no, I think you're right. I think that's, that's where the nuance comes in. I feel like you have to be willing to start over yeah. and you have to be willing to accept that sometimes your plan is not working. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and I think for me, that was, that was the hardest lesson with this mindset. Mm. Um, I, I used to be frustrated when like I would plan, you know, my entire year, for instance, A through Z, and then somewhere in the middle, JKM, it just completely pivoted and went yeah. the complete opposite way. And I used to just be like, why? And now I realize that, like, like you said, sometimes you can't prepare for everything. And in those instances, you just kind of have to relinquish control and yeah. be like, okay, this is my yeah. current situation. How do I make the best of it? Yeah. Well, I got to imagine too, and maybe you can speak a little bit to this in terms of your Ironman uh, and your races and that sort of thing. You almost just have to expect that something is not going to go according to plan. You don't know what it is, right? You have to just prepare somehow, at least mentally, right? And, and, And in your experience of either training or actually doing the races, have you run into that where you, you certainly did not see something coming or maybe you bonked and you, you ran out of calories, you know, and, or, or something broke on your bike. Did something happen where you can speak to where you just had to literally just make the best of a, a really shitty situation and keep moving forward? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, I think Johnny, that's like a part of the proactive mindset is yeah. like realizing those things that something is highly likely to go wrong mm-hmm. and then preparing for it. Cause I feel like the, the default for folks is to just not think about those things, right? They're preparing for the things that they know they can prepare for. And then they just block out of their mind, anything that can go wrong. And then when it happens, they're like, Oh crap, what do I do? Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I mean, and then specifically for the Ironman training last year, uh, training for the Santa Cruz half Ironman, um, got a kidney infection and, uh, found out that my bike, my road bike that I bought, um, used, had cracks in the frame. So I had to spend like almost as much as the bike to, to patch up a carbon frame. So, you know, that obviously was not in the plans. Um, but you know, I took it as like, Hey, what's my, what's my end all goal here. My goal is to do this Ironman and do it well. So I have to literally take it in stride. So with the, you know, with the kidney infection, I just relinquished control on the fact that for an entire month, I wasn't going to be able to train. And then I just kind of, focused on making sure that my body when it was ready was in tip top shape. And then with the frame, I just had to be like, okay, I have to fix it. Cause this is my, this is my tool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And <laughs> but, ask yourself what, what you could learn, you know, maybe it's like different bike or eating different foods or having a different type of uh, process leading up to the race. Who knows? There's always things to learn is what I'm saying from every situation. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Which I think is important. And I think before we get off of this subject, I think one thing that's important that I learned when it comes to this is seeking the advice of experts and folks who have done it already. Mm-hmm. That's something that I learned very early on. Um, yeah, I grew up an only child. Yeah. 
and, you know, not really with the father in the house. So I really didn't have anyone immediately to lean on, but I realized that lack thereof was so important for me to find. So anything that I do, that's a audacious endeavor like this. I'm always talking to folks that have done it right. Mm -hmm. Trying to learn from them, from their experiences firsthand to, to get back to the root of this, to try to prepare for things that I might not even see as a problem yet, but you know, folks have actually experienced it as a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that takes a whole great sense of humility, you know, especially as guys, we, we oftentimes want to like kind of figure it out ourselves and just like yeah. want to be able to have this, the, the pride of being able to, to claim it for ourselves. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but in many like, like brute force in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're, you're hitting upon something I think is hugely, uh, hugely impactful in the sense of like the humility to ask for help, to ask for support, to ask for mentorship, coaching, guidance, um, it's the very things that I feel like a lot of the guys that I run into have been lacking in their lives because they didn't necessarily have a great relationship with their dad. You know, uh, that's kind of similar to, to how, how I kind of grew up too. So it's like, I just was, I didn't, it's like, I wanted to, to pretend like I had it all together, but in actuality, I was just wearing a mask, you know, yeah. imposter syndrome. It's so much easier just to say, you know what? And sometimes that just comes with maturity and, and uh, growing older too. It's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I don't care about my ego, my sense of pride. Let's just, who can I talk to? Who can I ask for support? Right. So right. getting that, uh, getting those people on the right bus, I think is so important for our growth and prosperity in that regard. So what, what ultimately brought you into the, the Ironman training and, and everything else? Um, you know, it's funny, we talked about not, not talking about this really, but the COVID pandemic, I think everyone was looking for something to do. Yeah. The, the ones who were fortunate, I should say, you know, to, to not um, be affected by it early on in March of 2020. Yeah. Um, so I found myself as a, you know, young 27, 28 year old, healthy male with a lot of energy and not <laughs> having anywhere to exert it. Yeah. So uh, for the first time in my life, in my adult life, I bought a bike just being like, Oh, like I'll, I'll give it a try. Like everyone else. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I just like completely fell in love. I was doing like 40, 50 mile rides a month after I bought it. And I was like, this is pretty sweet. Yeah. And then I was just like, wow, like what else could I do to really push myself and see what I'm capable of? And like, I just started researching things and uh, found, you know, triathlons, and then I obviously went to the one that I thought was the most badass, which was an Ironman. And I yeah. just said, okay, I'm, tra I'm training for one now. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you know, that's how a lot of things start with me is just like, well, where could I achieve the most growth? Where could I push myself the most? Mm -hmm. And then I realized along the way that the journey is the most important thing, you know, right. Like the, uh, the tip of the iceberg is definitely doing the race and finishing it, but it does not come without all of the agonizing things that goes into training. Like I mentioned, kidney affection, missing toenails, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so now, you know, now it's, now it's like a lifestyle for me. Now I'm like, I, 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 um, I yearn for this sort of structure in my life, this long-term planning, this, this discipline to get out of bed and work out early in the morning, do some swimming, you know? Um, and, uh, I've been able to incorporate it pretty well into my life, my, my business, my personal life that, um, it's, it's, it's more of an integral part of my life than it is a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I think it's, uh, what it makes me think of and what's so common. I feel like with, with guys that are listening to a podcast like this or coming to the meetings that I do, or, or that we just gravitate together. It's like, it's just a growth mindset you know, um, versus other friends of mine who are like, why do you like, why can't you just accept who you are and love yourself? Why do you always have to be working on yourself? I'm like, no, it's not coming from a place of insecurity. It's coming right. from a place of like, I have to be working out. I have to, I, I just enjoy growing. Cause if we're not growing, then where are we going? Right. Stagnation right. Is, is still kind of like slowly <laughs> going down uh, that slippery slope. Right. So yeah, exactly. I feel like you've got that growth mindset and multiple facets of your life no you're right i mean i think uh one i heard a quote once when i was younger if you're not growing you're dying i mm -hmm. think that's what you're alluding to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when, when you're dead you can't live so yeah. you know I, I i take that at face value so i i always need to feel like i'm growing 
And I feel like same for you. Yeah. Yeah. To, to your point though, again, it's, it's, uh, the, the masculine, I think often focuses on like, Oh, once I finish that first Ironman, once I finish that 100th Ironman, it would like, then I will have felt like I'm really, uh, achieved something. And yet to your, to what you were saying, it's like, it doesn't really come with the humility of, of, I think growing, <laughs> I would say growing older, but I don't know if it really comes with age. Cause I know plenty of older people who, who don't have this mindset. It's just, it really is about the person you become along the way. Right. So really about that journey versus the, the destination. Cause it's so yeah. fun. I mean, I, it's so fun to, especially out here in Colorado. So beautiful. The, the, the sunset rides is like, yeah, man, you're, you're in the moment. You're presently in the moment versus thinking like, Oh, I gotta, gotta get so many calories burned. Or I gotta have to start getting certain miles done so I can show it off on Strava. It's like, what's, what's the point of that? Like it's yeah, exactly. Enjoy There's, this they, ride. That's a, that is very empty. I feel like if you're motivated yeah. by things like data or, just simply numbers in a sense um i'll tell you one thing it's so funny i uh you know leading up to my first race i was like okay i need to do this training without any headphones just like you know do 50 mile rides 10 mile runs with nothing Mm -hmm. and that was you know daunting in a sense (laughs) um and honestly it was like one long meditation um and i remember i did a, a a like a long bike ride followed by a long run and I'm doing this run and I'm looking around at all these other folks who I would assume had fresh legs and I'm running. And I had this like realization that no one cares that I just did like 50 miles on a bike. Right. And I'm just like, what am I looking for? Like if I, if I was going, if I was doing this for the validation of other people, I am lost. Like there was no way that I was ever going to get any sort of validation on the fact that I am like on mile 60 right now. Mm -hmm. And 10 of those is running. So that clicked. I'm like, Oh, it's because I'm doing this for something greater Mm -hmm. for my growth, Mm -hmm. for, you know, learning about myself and looking within as to what I can do and what I'm capable as a human being. Mm-hmm. And I, I just got to share that story because you're right. Like, you know, when, when, when you're motivated by those, I call them earthly things, those surface level things, mm-hmm. you quickly realize that that's not enough to really take you to the next level. You need oh. to be motivated by something much deeper and much yeah. greater than that. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about again, before we started recording that, like, man, you know, I, and that's kind of why I've been turned off from social media for so long is because I felt like my motivation behind that was significance based. And I didn't like how I was showing up in that regard. You know, I enjoy sharing stuff on social media now just because I, I love, I love the process of continuing to, to fall in love with my life. And, and I want to share it with people, you know, and the people say, right. oh, I want to, I want to do that. Or I want to join you next time. Or, you know, I'm like, absolutely. You know, and there's a big part of it for me that I'm a quality, uh, quality time type of person. So I like to share mm my, my time, even if I'm by myself, you know, it's one way for me to connect with other people when I'm actually by myself. Um, and I don't mind that alone time, but I, I feel like when you're running, you're on the road or, or you're cycling, there's a lot of alone time. And I think a lot of times people are scared of their own thoughts, scared of the, the silence. You know, I'm oftentimes thinking, or I have my AirPods in constantly listening to something. Sometimes that, that quiet time, like you said, one long meditation is exactly what we need, but it's, oftentimes the thing that we're most scared of. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, I think what's, what's scary sometimes is the truth. Mm. And I think intuition is the greatest form of it. So you could only tap into your deepest intuition by being alone with yourself. Yeah. Um, You know, and I just say, take the plunge because it's scary, (laughs) but it's more scary to not know who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, as we're talking about the truth and, and, Maybe you can expand on just kind of your, your feelings around truth, authenticity. Um, yes, we've been talking about mindset, which I think ties all into lifestyle and entrepreneurship and relationships. There's so many things that hopefully guys are taking out of this conversation. But yeah, what, what's your thoughts on truth in general and, and transparency, authenticity? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, simply the truth has become one of the most important things for me in my life. Um, I, uh, I realized early on that um, everything that we were taught to believe 
has a caveat, right? Mm -hmm. I think we might've talked about this at coffee that, you know, we didn't choose any of this. You know, I think there, there was someone out there that chose, I think this life for us, I do believe in God. So I believe that there is a higher power that is guiding everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything on the surface on earth, for the most part, I feel like can be reduced to human constructs can sometimes be reduced to being arbitrary in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you have folks who are so bought into a sort of process or structure, holding it to be the higher truth, you realize like, you know, that is simply a house of cards. So I, I feel like one of my greatest pursuits in life is to be as close to the objective truth as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is truth without me outside of any one of us. Um, and I think a means to do that is to be authentic. I feel like authenticity is your greatest currency as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a partner, as a, as a friend. Um, and I feel like authenticity in and of itself is another one of those universal truths ob- objective in nature that we can tell when someone is being authentic and when someone is not. And if you are someone who isn't fully living up to your own truth or authenticity, mm. you're going to quickly be discovered. I feel like in the long run by people. Right. Mm. Um, and not just because they're going to discover you because I feel like if you're that type of person, you're going to quickly be frustrated about yourself and your own life because you're not living in your own truth. And eventually, you know, I think that kind of manifests in things like frustration and anger and, zero sum mentality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think to, to really loop it back, the best thing that you can do in life, especially, you know, to your audience, to, you know, the folks that, you know, how we got connected to who we're speaking with as a man is be authentic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that means being okay with being sad or, or, or opening up about your vulnerabilities. And yeah. like you said, you mentioned earlier, realizing that, uh, you know, this is a mask that society has told me that I need to put on. Um, and authenticity is the opposite of that. Authenticity is being who you are yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people aren't going to like it. You know, there's a lot of folks, I think, that are apprehensive to the truth and authenticity. But I think that should not dissuade anyone from pursuing that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I feel like uh, where my mind goes when you're saying that is, you know, a lot of that at least for me and and I know other guys resonate with how I was raised is, you know, we were kind of taught to, to be inauthentic, you know, that, that love oftentimes was shown conditionally, as long as you check the boxes or you act a certain boy and you, and you stay within this box as a little boy, then you'll get love. And, and I think our identity and our, our sense of wanting to be seen and loved to some extent is what, drives a lot of us even in today's society i think most people are driven by the desire to to feel of worth to see that they're significant right and to be um certain that they're not going to be in too much pain right right but that works in the exact opposite where like as soon as i started kind of stepping into the men's space and i start putting ads out then i start getting all these hate you know comments by other men who think that what the stuff i'm doing with with men is total bullshit and you know and and it at at first it hurt my feelings, but it was so good because it pushed me to like, do I really ultimately care? Right. Right. And so I think it comes back around full circle to what you're saying at the very beginning, which is like, man, you, when you get clear on your purpose, you almost don't fucking care what right. anyone thinks. Right. It really only matters what you care about. It doesn't matter if they've known that you've ridden 50 miles before these next 10 that you're running. Like it doesn't matter. And I think it's right. interesting. It's a very humbling thought. And I've thought about this too, where like no one really cares that much about me you know, other than me. And if that's the case, then fucking do whatever makes me happy. You know, that's what we were talking about again, before we started recording. It's like, that's why our 2022 is going to really be focused on me and my needs. What makes me happy. And if that means getting out and writing with you a couple times a week and not working, I can't imagine a better <laughs> year to look back upon, honestly, to have conversations or to go for rides or hikes or rather than what I often have been doing, which is sitting behind a computer working, you know? Yeah. I think that allows me to be a lot more present, right? Which is, to me, it's hard to, to, to tackle or I should say tackle to really dive into the truth and to be authentic if you're not present. They all right. have to kind of work with each other, right? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if you reduce life, we really only have this moment, the present moment, right? which originates in our mind, originates in consciousness, right? You know, the future is just a thought arising in your mind. And the past is also just a thought arising in your mind that you're experiencing in this present moment. So you're absolutely right. Without being present, I don't think you could be fully in the truth mm-hmm. or fully in love. And I do think, I might have mentioned this, I think love and the truth are synonymous. 100%. 100%. I agree. But I think through truth is where you can get absolute love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I, that's kind of how I was raised. It's like kind of the seven synonyms of God you know, which include truth and love and spirit and principle and mind that, that they're all synonymous with God and, and God is love, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. it all, it all comes back to, to love. That's kind of what we're all here ultimately wanting, right? We all seek it and we think, Oh, if I can become famous or if I can become successful or have enough money or do, then I'll get love. And, and I think that's why I think meditation is so powerful too, is that you can experience whatever it is that you want to experience right here in this moment when you get really present to how much you have to be grateful, you could be grateful for how much love of of others and that others love you, man, you can tap into that and be a lot happier than we are. And I feel like that's a, that, that is a key to a lot of guys success or lack thereof. If they're not tapping into that, if they're so focused on depressive thoughts that are really more about scarcity mindsets versus this, like the truth that we have so much to be grateful for, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's in the comparison that we kind of lose, you know, sight of what we have currently in this moment. So I actually recorded a podcast just recently talking about something I heard where what guy was talking about what made Michael Jordan so powerful was not that he was the most athletic person on the basketball court, because they're all athletic in the NBA, right? But that it was his power to being present. So focused on this present moment and what he could do to elevate his game, no pun intended, was what made him, you know, one of the the goats, if not the goat of definitely right. Yeah, definitely. I think Tom Brady has a lot of that too. It's just like seizing the moment and not not focusing so much on what could happen in the future if you don't seize this moment. Just just be in the moment and do your thing. And I think so many men could learn just how powerful that present moment could be in terms of like, that is truth and seeing how that affects their business, their relationship, their health, their spirituality. I don't know. I digress, but I feel like it's a pretty powerful thing that you've been hitting upon. No, I think you're right. I think uh, one thing that has helped me a lot is definitely learning from these greats. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've watched the last dance. I've seen a lot of Tom Brady mm-hmm. you know, documentaries and, mm-hmm. You know, I even extends further into reading ancient history. You mentioned you're a student in history. I love reading biographies of, of, of great people. And one thing that I I think you're touching on that I find in common is that they are so focused on their trait, on their, on their objective, right. On their core competency, whatever you want to call it, that there was no other explanation as to why they became the way that they did was because Mm. like you said, they were they, they almost had tunnel vision in a sense, right? Like this was the only thing, this is the only thing that matters for them. And they do that time and time again, right? Like just thinking about Michael Jordan, the last dance, I feel like he says that firsthand that when he stepped on the basketball court, that was it, you know, in that moment, his, he he was there to play basketball, not to think about endorsements or think about, another championship though that motivated him a lot but it was it was to be the best basketball player that he could ever be in that moment and i think that goes the same for all of us if we just take it day by day that way Mm. yeah i I really see that and i feel like sometimes social media can can challenge you know those of us who are obviously living right now in the sense of like it's very easy to fall susceptible to focusing on something other than the present moment you know which is how how am i going to look you know, how, what are people going to think of me? And we get into that bullshit and we, and we lose that, that connection with truth, with the, with the present moment, you know, and that, yeah, that yeah. affects performance in, in many different areas of our life, you know? So I think it's good to have a practice like, like you have, which is running, swimming, you know, working out anything that I feel like connects with a, a man's sense of masculinity where they can go into that zone and put on the blinders 
you know, and connect with themselves about what am I really doing this for? You know? Right. Uh, right. Exactly. That'll really spill over into other areas of our, of our lives and our existence as men, you know, cause our time here on this planet is so short lived, you know, it just, it, it's a blip. And so we got to do the, the most with what we've got. Right. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think on that note, I, d- I would like to make one comment that I've, yeah. I've, uh, I found to work well for me. Yeah. Um, and it's the difference between competition and comparison, mm. you know, as, as males, you, you know, you were touching on, you know, really focusing on these athletic things that keep us active. And it's not just exclusive to males, but just mm-hmm. like this masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think of competition as I'm only competing with two people the person I used to be mm-hmm. and the man that I want to become. Mm-hmm. But I think comparison is fair game. I'm okay comparing myself to other folks because that's where I find reference points. Right. Mm. But it's when you convolute the two that you, you become problematic when you think that you are comparing yourself and competing with someone else, whether that's mm. someone in your family, whether that's a coworker, whether that's a business partner, whether that's a, someone else in your industry, right? No, you're not competing with them. You're competing simply with yourself, but you can compare, right? Cause you're, you need to know where you stand in relationship mm-hmm. to others. Mm-hmm. If you see that someone else is quote unquote doing better than you and whatever it is that they're doing, it's not that, you know, they're out competing you. It's just that maybe they're on their own timeline. You're on yours as well. Mm-hmm. And you will get there. Um, and for me, when I see folks who are very successful, you know, and I think this goes to mentorship and asking for advice, it's, I see them as folks that I would like to be. I see them as, as, as examples of what can be done Yeah. as, as, you know, I, I can also do that. I just have to learn from it. Yeah. So I just wanted to make a distinction there. That's helped, you know, comparison and competition. Powerful. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> I really, really do. And I think it's, uh, you're right. I, mean, I feel like a lot of what we do and a lot of honestly, what I'm driven by is that I want to be a inspiration oh, again, knock on wood, ultimately for some future children of mine. Right. I want yeah. to be, uh, a springboard so they can be an even better version, you know, of human being than I am. Right. Uh, I think that's the best legacy that you can ultimately leave, you know, on this planet. So I think it's pretty cool. And in, uh, in wrapping things up, what's your focus on now that we're at a, in a new year, 2022, what's, what's some of your big, hairy, audacious goals, if you have any for, for this year, what do, what do you want to accomplish? Yeah. Um, good question. So, I mean, I think just think on the surface, what we talked about uh, com- com- competing in my first full Ironman. So I have three on the books. It's crazy. Two halves, first one in April, and then the, the big one in November. Uh, so, you know, training pretty hard this year, also enjoying it. I'm doing a cross, a cross state bike ride in, in, in July. Wow. Cross um, the state of Colorado. Yeah. 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 That's I'm starting crazy. in, I'm starting in, uh, Raton, New Mexico and yeah. ending in Cheyenne, Wyoming. It's four, it's like 400 miles doable over three days. <laughs> Damn. Wow. That's crazy. If you'd like to join, I, I would love to to have some company it's it's gonna yeah. be a long haul yeah i'll be happy to jump in the car and drive next to you 100 <laughs> maybe for a leg you know <laughs> yeah denver yeah. to cheyenne is only like 120 miles yeah it's all it's all uphill right i mean you go and you're moving you're just going north so it's got to be just constant. yeah it's got to be all uphill yeah it's all uphill yeah that sounds be- brutal. beautiful scenery though <laughs> yeah yes that's the truth so you go from new mexico all the way up are you it's back roads is it gravel roads or are you going up what's the route I think this is where the gravel bike is vital because yeah. I don't know. It's going to be a mixture. I feel like, okay. Cool. Uh, I, I have the, uh, the route mapped in Strava, but it yeah. doesn't, you know, it doesn't tell you exactly what you're in for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So gravel bikes with, cool. uh, you know, with, with tubeless tires, so you don't yeah. get flat yeah. <laughs> Every, yeah. all the works. Oh, that's so cool. That'd be a blast. I would love to, to join you for some of that for sure. And then what else you've, so you've got the Ironman and then, beyond that business or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, a big focus is definitely scaling, um, the software. Um, there's about 8,000 charter schools across the country and it would be fantastic if we can get 1% of them. So 80 schools by the end of this year, I Mm. think is a pretty audacious goal. 
but I think it would get us in the right direction of serving these, these children that need it the most and helping these school operators focus on what matters. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, if any, I can do anything to, to help you, my sister owns a school, uh, started up a school. She's in her fifth year. And, um, you know, I, I definitely know she knows a lot of people on the whole education side of things too. So if I can do oh, great. any help, you know, I'd love to help you hit that goal. So awesome, man. Well, people want to get in touch with you if they want to follow along with you, where, where can they find you? Well, you know, follow your Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like like all of us, I feel like I'm across everywhere on the webs. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn, obviously, for professional reasons, and um, where I am, where I am mostly active, Iron Man related stuff is on Instagram. And I think I, I put my handles, uh, you know, in in the in the in the spreadsheet. So you got it. I'll put it. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes for sure. But Uriel. <laughs> great you got yeah, it man. hey man i'm working on it i'm working on it thank you brother so much for hanging with uh with me and for the viewers and listeners this has been so much fun i know we'll do it again sometime soon and we'll get on the bike here in the next couple of days once my bike arrives tomorrow so of course be, of course be a good time man thank you yeah th- thank you so much i really enjoyed talking with you and uh you know getting a chance to speak to your listeners yeah 100 percent. awesome you guys will feel free to check out uh you know your y'all Barum on Instagram and LinkedIn, follow his journeys. Uh, maybe you'll see a little bit, a uh, little cameo of me here and there, you know, f- giving him water, giving him some energy bars, you know, driving <laughs> up next to him, you know, whatever from the, the, the sag wagon. But uh, thank you, brother. Thanks so much for being here, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to check out the next one on the Becoming Kings podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at johnnyking and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.